0: Welcome to The Colour of Our Politics, a podcast about the history of black and Asian people in the UK and the struggle against racism, written, created and hosted by me, Javad Alipour
1: and me, Tanya Vitale. Each episode, we focus on a decisive chapter in British history.
0: Podcasts are uploaded bi-weekly and they're available from where all good podcasts are downloaded. You can find out more information by following us on social media or checking out our website, my website, javadalipour.colour.uk. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to our final for this series episode of The Color of Our Politics with me, Javad, and obviously my colleague.
1: Me, Tanya Vital.
0: This week, we are incredibly excited to welcome Samaya Afzal who is like a super cool activist. I've known her, we've both known her in Bradford for years. She's one of the paid up members of the sort of Bradford Legends Club. She does all <laughs> kinds of cool things. And to be honest with you, what, what feels really ex- exciting and, and, and actually really important about this conversation is that um, this is the first time that we're gonna really think about the politics of Islamophobia. And it just seems to me that it's, um it's a really contemporary question. I've, I've just come back from what we're directing a show in Germany and then, um, you know, it's a, almost a cliche, but what's what's really sort of clear to me if you kick around Europe, like, the, you know, in Europe there is this big question about racial politics where, you know, we all know, we all know, we can all sense that like, you know, being from South Asia in England has something to do with being Turkish in Germany, which has something to do with being Algerian or Moroccan. In uh, in in France, um, but but we don't even necessarily seem to have the words to discuss that yet. Like even the very word Islamophobia, like it doesn't. I don't know personally. To me, it just, sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't seem to have like the the, uh, you know, the kind of bottom necessary to name like a really constitutive kind of European racism. And, and actually, as soon as we think about this stuff, just like all the other chats we've had on this podcast, there's a big chat to have about the, the history of colonialism, how these uh, ideas and, and and kind of um, uh, social structures came to be, and how, uh, people have been fighting against them all this time and uh, what it kind of might mean for be- for people to be in charge of their own narrative rather than rather than to be, the, let's say, the the object of a, a, a white uh, political discourse or a white set of uh, ideas. Um, in any case, I'm yeah, really, really, really chuffed to be welcoming Samaya onto the podcast. So hey, Samaya, how's it going?
2: Hey, Javad. Hey, Tanya. It's going great. Thank you so much for inviting me. I feel very uh, honoured and privileged to be on
0: this show thank you thank you and we'll, we'll probably you know m- listeners will know that the way the structure of this 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 thing works by now we invite people on who know something really substantial about something that that feels important but that perhaps we don't usually get the chance to think about in detail me and Tanya tend to ask them a couple of questions about about something that they know a lot about and then often we have a bit of a, a bit of a discussion about how that applies to stuff that's in in the news right now and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff so Samaya do you want to start by just telling us a little bit about you? and like kind of um what you do and how you came to be the person you are and so on
2: yeah uh so I I was born and raised in Bradford which I feel like gives you the that baptism of fire when it comes to anti-racist activism um, it's like it's you you, you're exposed to um you're exposed to racism almost immediately as soon as you can understand um people and uh relate like relationships and institutions um around you and and I remember being quite young when the Bradford riots happened. I know that you've had conversations with other uh, guests about this. In, in particular, I mean your your first episode, for example, where you talk about um, you know where the riots came from and and how how people reacted to them, uh, both in the Asian community but then the institutions around Bradford. Um, and I remember when I was uh, when when I was eleven, um, seeing the faces of of those young Asian lads who were whose faces were just emblazoned everywhere. Um, and it was, a, it was like a really shameful thing. Um, you know, it was, it was perceived as, as, as a really shameful thing. Um, and I remember, still is, actually.
1: Still, I mean, we'll yeah. probably come to it, but, and still is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, um, you know, going to school and the kids around me just talking about how the national front was going to uh, throw a bomb through my letterbox. And I think that was the first time really that I properly understood, okay. Um, there are people who uh, um, who notice the, the difference between me and them and, uh, and and want to punish me for it. Um, and, and that's a really young age to kind of uh, to be confronted with that. And then obviously a couple of months later, then uh, 9-11 happened and that kind of, the war on terror, the shift um, uh, in, in terms of suspicion um, on Muslims, obviously only heightened when it got to 2005 uh, because of uh the london uh two bombings um and and obviously them the, the the perpetrators coming from leeds uh just down the road from us so it it, it really shaped my pol- like political upbringing um you know the iraq war all, all of these these kinds of things but i wasn't um i wasn't i didn't come from a political family and i and i certainly didn't come from one uh where putting a head above the parapet uh was was seen as as kind of like the, the normal thing to do the, the the idea was you put your head down you work hard um you focus on education you know when I when I was growing up it, it was the, the very first people in my family were going to university um my my aunt and my uncles and and that was kind of like the the, the model um, but it was only like the more experiences I had the more racism I, I faced and it you know it's, it may well have started off as as you know very anti-Asian in in nature or um uh particularly based on on skin color race uh ethnicity background um and it kind of uh i saw it kind of m- move into um from that kind of cultural racism into something that kind of centered my identity as a muslim um and it was only when i was when i was about 19 18 19 that i really properly joined the dots together i thought oh okay <laughs> you know there's there's all these uh, different ways in which like my identity is is perceived and um and there's a, a there's all there's all these different elements to it you know being being a woman uh being young um having uh all of these uh um, like markers on, on on my identity that um that kind of made me be seen as a as a problem um and certainly not as someone who's uh indigenous to Britain, someone who's like uh who, who who deserves the title British um I just I, I felt very separate I felt very um une- you know uneasy about about who I was um and I think that the the kind of underlying thing growing up was was always fear uh fear that um someone would punish me for for who I was um and that and that's kind of that's how I how I, how I grew up I kind of came across these issues um and I think it was it was when I when I was kind of when I was recognizing these I thought actually no um that's not something that I can um let happen without at least trying to trying to fight it um so I got involved in in student politics as you do when you go to university and you uh, don't really like your degree so much uh you've got maybe uh some mental health issues and you're like ah what can I throw myself into um and that's what I did I literally just walked up to uh to a Palestine stall um and that was the entry point of of my activism and what and and what a uh, kind of um, I don't I don't know the the word to describe it what but what a brilliant way to be introduced to uh to activism uh through the the through the lens of of occupation in, in, in palestine so i think that that uh that really shaped a lot of um, a lot of my my activism going forward i got involved in the national union of students i um despite being like very shy and like not wanting to, to run for elections um I, I was kind of uh pushed into into those kinds of things and and pushed into the deep end um just started learning from from people around me the fact that I was in Bradford uh from Bradford and um every time I went to like an NUS conference people like the, the reputation of Bradford would always precede it like oh yeah you guys are, are the organizers you guys are really active um you know anti-racism was born in Bradford um which is probably not, not, not quite true. Um, but it's, we'll it's take it, we'll um, take it. I mean, yeah, of course, of course. Um, and, and yeah, and, 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 and just, and just kind of like living, also living up to that reputation as well. Cause you're like, ah, oh, I need to, um, I need to understand, uh, where all this has come from, uh, you know, where you learn your anti-racist traditions from is just as important as, um, as, as what you then go on to do. Uh, so I think that that's, that's my, my, my journey in, in a nutshell. Um, and I've, I've definitely like kind of almost like a football, just being pushed around and in, in lots of different directions. Cause obviously my degree is in biomedical science and it's not in politics, but that's, that's where I am at the moment.
0: It's so super interesting. So interesting. And like, it's, um, you know, uh, one, one, one thing that I think is really interesting about, um, I think you're a bit younger than me. And I think one thing yeah. re- that's really interesting about your, uh, generation, if I may, of activists, is is like this will get us a lot you know it's absolutely potentially islamophobia discussion we're having is like i feel like um sort of between a generation that like you know i was i i i i was um you know my kind of uh university years were you know in the sort of fag end of blairism do you know what i mean so it's like mm. the the kind of dead years after the after you know there was a the big iraq war demonstration and i was like 18 then 17 mm. whatever it's not important um, and then like there was not a lot of stuff until like the kind of you know the student uprising and this, this kind of business and then, um, just what's interesting about that generation slightly younger than me that i see is like is like younger like kind of muslim people who have got really amazing politics on that like, kind of every level who are like on the right side of all these questions but are, like Bring their Muslimness into the into that chat. It's interesting. I feel trapped. I'm not a practicing Muslim. I mean I, I quite like Dave Chappelle's joke about Dave Chappelle says mm. just because I'm a Muslim doesn't mean just because I'm a Muslim doesn't mean I'm very good at it um, and I sort of feel I think that way about things but yeah. um, you know uh, I feel what's interesting is that older generation of like, you're talking about those heritages I think about people like Tariq Mahmood is it Um, you know yeah. from, of AYM fame and I think about a whole bunch of people who, who now have a very different politics but like you know you're, you're Tariq's you're Kenan Malik's you, to an mm. extent you know a great hero of mine hanif Qureshi. but what's interesting is i think when a lot of those people from that generation talk about kind of like islamic identity and that being important to people coming up they they sound a little bit like out of touch uncles going why do the kids like this thing now Mm
1: -hmm. you know what i mean
0: we used to be secular do you know what i mean yes as opposed to actually thinking about how the sociology and the politics of it might be different. Do you know what I mean? It feels a little bit like, what is this rock and roll the kids are into nowadays? You know what <laughs> I mean. Um, so I don't know if if that makes any sense to you, if, if that triggers any thoughts.
2: Yeah, it does. It does feel like uh, sometimes people look at us as though we've gone backwards, um, which is obviously entirely wrapped up in in this idea of like, Progression as as kids of uh, immigrants and grandchildren of, of immigrants, we should be pushing forward. Um, there should be more influence on on who we are from our immediate environment rather than um, the old religion of um, of our ancestors um, or you know our immediate uh, um, ancestors. So I think that that's like that's definitely something that that you that you come across and and often when when you are involved in any kind of political activism. The first thing that gets thrown at you is, "Oh, are you a part of the Muslim Brotherhood?" Um, okay, are you an Islamist? Okay, I, you know, if you're not that, then you know, there, there's like a, an immediate need to, to 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 put people into into these boxes. And if you know, the, true, there are definitely um, you know the uh, the different um, heads of the Muslim Brotherhood in, in different countries that you know who, who came to the UK as well. Uh, Libyans came to Manchester, uh, Egyptians, Palestinians to London. You know, there's there's so many. Uh, there's so many different um uh, communities that that have come and, and, and shaped a political identity here but when it comes to the south Asians largely from Azad Kashmir especially you know in, in in Bradford we didn't uh we didn't come with uh with uh with that sense of um uh, like political identity uh certainly influenced by anti-colonial um Uh, activism back home but you know it it was primarily you know economic migrants uh people who kept their head down wanted to uh to make enough money to send back home um continued to to you know to this day uh uh looking after large families um and and their kids growing up torn between those two um uh those two parts of of their identity and 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 where i think Islam came in for for me and, and also lots of other young people my age is it kind of um, brought us some kind of unity with other Muslims in, in the UK, uh, despite us as, as having come from very, very different, you know, working class backgrounds versus middle class backgrounds, uh, people, where people came to study and, uh, you know, went into professions that, that were slight, you would consider slightly more more affluent um, or aspirational. Um, so I think that, there, that there's so many different kinds of uh, Muslim identities that, people do want to kind of push us all in, in into one box. And there is that, um, there, there, there is a sense that anything that any kind of political identity that is shaped by being Muslim must inherently be bad, uh, bad for the people around you, bad for you, um, bad for, uh, bad for politics in, in, in general. And that's why when, you know, when, one of the, the facets of Islamophobia is that inherent suspicion when, when Muslims do get involved and are very bold and, um, you know, aren't afraid to to, to to show that they they um that they hold to uh to this worldview because of because of their their religion.
0: Um, Just like I was gonna say that's that's such an interesting point, and um, you know, you raise the the spectre of the Islamic Brotherhood, mm-hmm. and then what's interesting is like, I mean, there's a whole other chat we could have. We, I mean, maybe we'll get some chance to move on to sort of like the international situation as well at mm-hmm. some point. But I mean, I was you know. Like, you know, there's a whole bunch of really interesting, actually even Sunni-phobia, I think, around the, around the Islamic Brotherhood, where, like, you know, there are large portions of, like, the Middle East and North Africa where the, Islam, the Islamic Brotherhood are basically the force that wants democracy. Yeah. You know, like, in Egypt, to, you know, in a, in a much more complicated way in Syria. Um, and, uh, like, that's not comfortable thing. No. And they just get reduced to being, you know, beardy, weirdy Muslims, as opposed to <laughs> the people the, as opposed to the people who build the, the, you know, the free healthcare centers and the people who win elections, whether you like it mm. or not, do you know what I mean? And the people who've renounced, like in Egypt, have definitely renounced violence. And we end up with this grotesque, you know, spectacle of like, actually, you know, lib- elite liberal Egyptians uh, being applauded by kind of like Western people who think they're the same as them um uh kind of supporting the machine gunning of unarmed demonstrators because they're quote unquote Islamic fundamentalists but that's a slightly different yeah. chat. I think where it relates to what we're chatting about the, the first question I want to ask really is like you've talked to us before about this 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 uh, your your ideas around um uh, what institutional or, or perhaps structural Islamophobia might be so would you explain a bit of that mm. stuff to us please? Yeah um
2: I, I really like the BUAD thing. <laughs> it's a very good uh very very good uh, uh anecdote to use i think i'll, I'll definitely use that in, in future um for so yeah uh institutional islamophobia is is one of the things that um i came to understand uh just just through exper- through experiencing it in, in in different um institutions and organizations but uh just seeing it for, you know from politics to uh newspapers to um uh organizations that are like claiming to to support Muslims, uh, local authorities, just uh, across the board, um, because I found that you can't really describe the entire experience of Islamophobia through the lens of just these these overt attacks that happen on the street. Those things have definitely obviously happened to me. I've had, you know, people throw cigarette ash, you know, onto my shoulders as they're walking past, you know, driving past calling me, the Taliban, um, you know, being threatened with, with uh, a knife. I think that one of the most recent... Things that that um, happened to be, and it was as soon as Donald Trump was elected, was um, a guy I was walking with five friends in in Bradford, and uh, and you 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 know right in the city centre, you think you would it, it was the safest place. You're with people, um, and 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 this guy just just turned around and, and threatened to knife us, um, and and that's like that's obviously a you know a big. Uh, part of Islamophobia, but it's certainly not not the full story. So what I started to to understand is that, uh, particularly if you look at polling uh, right now of um, of like attitudes towards Muslims, you find that the 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 more Islamophobic a political party is, the more successful they are um, in 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 how they uh, how they win votes. Uh, the 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 more kind of uh, hard the the harder the harder line that you take against. Muslims on on certain issues, the more you're applauded in in sections of society, um, and in in essence, um, being Islamophobic is 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 seen as a good and natural reaction to Islam, to uh, to Muslims uh, because you know either they are a growing demographic threat, and and we see this in like the Eurabia uh, conspiracy theories uh, across uh, across Europe. Uh, you know, we have figures like Douglas Murray talking about Muslim birth rates and how these are. Uh, these are damaging to uh to western values and um and ultimately is going to uh you know result in in um in, in white people becoming minorities uh in in their own countries uh the fact that, you know what this means for i remember i you know i was i was when i was in the student movement um the one of the representatives from yougov you know the polling um Company that's that that was set up by I think was it Nadim, Mr. I think a, a conservative MP um, talking about you know how the the rise of a, of a mus, a, Muslims Muslim children you know Muslim uh, families um, and, and the, the greater the population the more uh, uh, the the more we should be worried about you know problems like fundamentalism and and violence on on uh, on the streets. And, th- and that was just it was just like a you know very throwaway very very normal comment um so i think that that's for me institutional islamophobia is it, it it helps to describe uh some of the ways in which you as a muslim will be discriminated against in in ways that you can't explain so you can't explain why you got um stopped and searched um i mean you can but like you can't like, like there's 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 uh there's the kind of like an underlying assumption that um the you are vulnerable to, uh, to to being radicalized. That you are uh, potentially uh, a suspect, and on all of these things, the, these things play uh, play a part in, in in describing that experience. So you you know you have all these these um, you know you you can't get a flat, for example, um, because of the, the the name that you have. You know, insurance is is much higher for you um, if you have a Muslim sounding name. Um, you're kind of shut out of the job market. Uh, you are not able to um to kind of fully take part in, in 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 life in society uh because of who you are and and that we saw it with the we saw it with the coronavirus you know yeah. any any populations that had a
1: higher demographic of South Asian people were just like just vilified with the coronavirus yeah. like, as if yeah. South Asian people yeah. can't seem to contain themselves that's what that was the message yeah
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, like, the statistics were, you know, the statistics came out, uh, you know, for the past 18 months, the other day in The Guardian, and British Bangladeshis are like the worst Mm. hit rate of people. Do you know what I mean? Um, And obviously, it's interesting, Samaya, when you were talking about like, the idea of skin color, ethnicity, and that mix, I mean, it just seems to me historically, like, you know, we're all, you know, we're all like, uh, you know, terrible, you know, leftist demons who probably have a critical account of how race works as something that's created historically and through power structures. Mm. And like, actually, you know, historically, like this mix of so-called cultural features, uh, what you might call phenotypical features, mm. what you might call allegedly genotypical features, but that in fact largely don't exist. Yes. Um, and it's sort, of, sort, of, sort of like this, this triangle of like pseudoscientific theories about genes phenotypical features aka features that you can see on someone mm. um culture religion and language this kind this 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 kind of like triangle or square of things it seems to me that is what race is made of mm. do you know what I mean like when it's made through those power structures so in a way one of the things I this is one of the things that I, I find it so interesting that you talk about in a structure sorry I keep saying structural you talk about institutional term, mm. both
2: work. It's both like, work. You, yeah
0: It gets us away from this stupid well, Islam's not a race; it's a religion. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Well, here's the headline, mate. Like nothing's a race until the white power structure kind of makes it one. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yep, yep. Uh, um, uh, You know, um, and and I think so. One one question I wanted to ask there was, you know, we when we think about anti semitism, we think um, we think about the kind of long durée view when we say, you know, we 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 say like. Something like often an account will say something like, "Well, uh, you know, there were Jews scattered through Europe, and then the Crusades happened, and the Crusades kind of radicalized a certain kind of relig- religious anti-Semitism, and then certain other things happened, and then you get the birth of modern capitalism, and that creates a certain kind of outgroup, and um, and that's what leads us to the point we have today. And you know, we might talk about with with, with anti black racism." Mm. And we might talk about, obviously, the legacy of the slave trade, but also the legacy, the the, the related but not entirely identical legacy of the colonisation of Africa and, and how, how some of that stuff has been reformed and some of that stuff hangs in the air and, you know, the wages of all that stuff being now. So in terms of these stru- these these structures, which, as you say, cannot be reduced to what one person does, like how do you think this stuff fits into, you know, the big headlines, man? In a way, the whole British Empire was about keeping hold of India. I say this as an Iranian, yeah. like there's a British colonial intrusion into Iran. I think of this as particularly embarrassing, that a British colonial intrusion into Iran was largely to service the Navy on the way to India, which was what was important. Yeah. Do you know what I
1: mean?
0: <laughs> uh, or like the French in Algeria, you know, Algeria for France had a similar thing and just wh- where you think that kind of, what you think those big historical structures are really.
2: That's so huge, Javad. Thank you so much for uh, for that. Um, <laughs> <No problem. laughs> so I think, yeah, um, the, the, there's a, there's a really good, um, there was like this infographic that was making its, uh, its way around social media recently. And it was kind of, um, obviously um, this is American centric, but they were, um, they were looking at uh, where, slave owners held slaves and then how that then impacted on um voting patterns uh, so like vote, like democratic strongholds versus republican uh, uh, strongholds and 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 how basically uh black people uh, you know african americans free and um able to to cast their votes started to shape the way that um the way that like the the, the success of, of the democratic party in 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 the US and i think that that's like it's 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 something that, that that's really interesting, and it would be it would be really interesting for us to do like similar mapping here, more kind of like very very kind of crudely looking at like migration patterns and, and those kinds of things. But um, you know where, for example, it doesn't necessarily fit in directly with with that. So like you know the the Yemenis and Somali communities that, that came slightly earlier on. Um, it's it's definitely something to uh, to to think about how like actions and the 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 work of the british empire i call it work i mean there's many uh less generous things i, I could call it um how that impacted uh things <laughs> yeah, uh in the uk um but I, I think it's uh, in, in terms of the 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 massive kind of like structural things i don't think that the way that muslim communities um racialized communities cuz you like you, you were completely right when you said that you know, you, you don't just, just, just become a race, you become racialized um, by a power structure. Um, and it's kind of like the, I think what, what we're seeing now is both the continuation of those uh, those ideas. So like with Muslims, you, you you can sort of like look at it through the view of Orientalism and, um, you know, how is it that the, how is it that the Muslim is constructed in popular culture, pop, like society, um, uh, academia, uh, and, and in the minds of, of people, through kind of mass media and, and, and those kinds of channels. Um, and you can you can look at like parallels between um, how Algerians were 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 described by the French and, and and also how then Indians that were fighting for independence were then described by by the Indian of, of uh, by the uh, British Empire. And I, I remember when I as so I did a um, a project on the Indian partition uh, back when it was the 70th anniversary. Um, and it was for the the Peace Museum in Bradford, and I remember I came across some like old newspaper cuttings where um, uh, I can't remember what newspaper it was, but they were describing these extremist um, uh, Indians that were like you know fighting for uh, fighting for for uh, you know what, what they saw was was a, this radical idea of you know getting the British out. Um, and, you know, the, the fact that, you know, some were on hunger strike, some had been arrested. Um, uh, some uh, were, you, you know, were using uh, local, like the, the fact that they were using local, um, like religious uh, festivals to be like, as, as a way to kind of uh, further their goals. So whether it was like the, I think it's a bookshop, which is like when, uh, when women and girls will tie threads around their brother's arms um as, as like a as a symbol of like you know yeah. their love for their brothers and then their brothers protecting them um and and how like at these ceremonies um you know you had like Muslims and Hindus uh, and Sikhs all getting together and they were talking about how they were gonna basically overthrow overthrow the the British and they were spreading the word and obviously you see that uh, as well in Jallianwala Wallabag when uh there was a, a massacre in 19 uh ni- I think it was 1919 um uh, the the because uh, the hundredth anniversary has, has just gone where people were getting together to uh just, just to celebrate Vasaki and were uh, you know murdered uh, indiscriminately women and children men you know for, for the for the crime of having you know political edge speeches so there's th- this 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 structure that we see right now which criminalizes uh, suspicion and looks at Muslims as though they are a threat. Um, as though they could be organizing against us this very minute is something that like has its roots very much in in uh, in the colonial experience. And I think that if you if you don't look at that, you're not um, understanding how these things are just replicated, um, how the, the same terminology is used. Um, and we talk about like there being a big shift. And, and I do this myself because I obviously don't know what it was like before 9-11. Um, but when I started, um, I, I went to work for the Muslim Council of Britain um, after I was at the Peace Museum. And uh, one of the first things I did was look at all the old newsletters. Um, and the MCB like is is a very interesting mix of all all of these different traditions of of activism within Muslim communities. So you do have the the, uh, the I guess like I would describe them as like along the the level of like the Asian youth movement and and those kinds of things, um, particularly in in East London. Um, but then you also have like other like you know other, other um, um, aspects and. And, and other kind of more, uh, I would say, more state-friendly people uh, and, and ideas. And, and it's like that kind of, um, that allyship between, uh, between this massive cross-section of British Muslim commu- like communities across the UK. But they, um, they were their kind of 1997 opening newsletter was, again, referencing the exact same terminology that we see. These extremists, these radicals, um, these uh, uh, Muslims uh, can't be trusted. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was like, I was looking at, a, a, a um, uh, an analysis of media, uh, re- like reporting of Muslims in 2020, uh, you know, it was 2018 at the time, but it, it was like, it was very, very contemporary. Um, so like when each, so like, th- that's why, like, from, from my perspective, you have to look at how the generation above or the generations above thought that, um, how, it, how, uh, the the same uh words were weaponized against them so that you're able to then um kind of like critically assess it you know did it work what happened uh to to those people uh where are those people where are their stories uh where is that history and um and 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 how can we kind of like use it to then like formulate our our own uh way forward because obviously the atmosphere is different um there's certainly a lot more um i think there's a lot more at stake when uh, when you're fighting Islamophobia and, uh, in particular in particular structural Islamophobia, um, and we've been having this conversation about the Labour Party more recently, but it's it's a it's a huge. Uh, it's, it's such a huge...
1: I mean, as if the Labour Party is any different from any of the exactly. others, you know, when it comes to... Exactly. The- well, I mean,
0: funnily enough, talking about the AYM again, like, you know, I think in some ways we've gone gone backwards, mainly because the whole country's moved right. So yeah. I, a bit of a cranky old uncle energy of my own was like... I remember when everyone got... To, and I'm, this is probably a difference of opinion, Samaya, so we, we can talk about that, but I remember when like, everyone joined the Labour Party
2: yeah. and
0: everyone was, like, super pro-Corbyn and whatever criticisms you had of, like, I mean... I'm you know I have a checkered sectarian CV so I would have I would have traditionally been of the opinion that the Labour Party would be something like you know you know I would for instance point to the fact that the Labour Party were a party in administration during the early period of the coup d'etat that overthrew the only democratically elected government Iran has ever had, mm. um, and, and so on. I would make these old-fashioned, very sectarian leftist arguments. And I remember like all my mates who were like, you know, Trotskyists or anarchists or this, that, and the other. end. Mm. And we'd go on a demonstration, and then we'd have a big row in the pub about like what should have happened at Kronstadt. What should have, and I, I thought, well, none of this means everything, because everyone's just a Labour leftist now. Yeah. do you know what i mean that's that's where it's all sort of like led but i think just one other thing i would say is I, you know we're all probably people on this call who understand that like racism and so on and the white power structure isn't an add-on to like modern capitalism it's one of the things that constitutes it and um <clears throat> so i often think about like you know where are the abstractly where does this begin and i i, I always go back to like it's 1492 basically obviously in 1492 thing two things happen which the spanish empire you know is the heart of one is of course that columbus sets off to the new world or arrives in the new world um and so uh unleashes the 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 proper transatlantic slave trade the colonization of the americas and the so and so on but of course the other thing that happens in 1492 is the last moorish prince of granada um is overthrown and and, and sets, sets off to, to morocco and. And, of course, one of the ways where you first get something like modern racism is in the Spanish the Spanish conquest of the New World, the so-called law of blood that the Spanish developed, which is this incredibly complex and stratified hierarchy, which is built on how, what sort of mixture of blood, so-called, you have between yeah. um, African, native and white Spanish and all those old world, you know, mestizo and all this, like, elaborate, elaborate, you know, um, uh, division racially begins there. But what's super interesting is that the other thing that happened in 1492, the chasing out of the Moors, introduced, it's almost like the first time in history where your religion is tied to your blood. Because, of course, what the Spanish do is they say, first of all, you all have to convert to Catholicism. Yeah. So the remaining Muslims and the remaining Jews convert to Catholicism. And that's just like a good old-fashioned war. Do you know what I mean? I have a war with you. Since time immemorial, you now have to, like, accept that I'm the king. And yeah. that like, my God is in charge of your God. Plus ça change plus ça même shows it what what, was, what makes the world go round from, like, the Stone Age onwards. Fine. But the Spanish introduced this new sort of, like, political technology, if you like, where, for whatever reason, Ferdinand and Isabella want to see Obviously, the, the, the Muslims and Jews who don't leave tend to be the richest ones. That's why they're not leaving, mm-hmm. you know? And Ferdinand and Isabella go, we want to take your land and your businesses from you. So they start to prosecute... Uh, people for secretly still being Muslims and Jews and some people are and some people aren't but in any case this myth of like purity of blood one of the first times it arises in Europe is there where this myth arises that if your family always stayed Catholic and didn't mix with the Moors well Mm. then your skin should be bright enough that you can see the blue of your blood underneath Mm. Um, and so so at the same moment that you get the law of the blood developed in uh, the new world, you get for the first time in European history the idea that like, oh, you can't, there are some religions that you can't just convert away from. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There are some religions that stain you. Um, yeah. Something like this. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. here endeth my amateurish seminar on <laughs> Spanish colonial <laughs> history. But yeah, um, I think the other interesting thing that I wanted to talk to you about that we'd spoken a little bit about was this question about the intersection between, like, misogyny, sexism and and and, and Islamophobia. That seems like a really interesting thing. I mean, it, right now, man, it does not seem an easy gig to be a Muslim woman in this country, I'm going to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, so you wrote that article, didn't you? The Continued Arrogance of Liberal White Feminism. Yeah. Tell
2: us a bit about I, I that. I did. I did. Um... So I I um I often get very frustrated um and, and have to write these these articles when when something happens like like for example um uh the, like when Muslim women are basically put on trial um for being uh, uh part of a, a of a religion that in you know that supposedly in, in inherently oppresses them and uh, does not uh, consider them as 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 human beings. So I think that um the the this is something that that you can't really separate out from from Islamophobia because it is one of its one of its like very central tenets um because gender is like it's you know it doesn't it's 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 not a factor um anymore but it, it's it's very uh um it's like the, it it it's the way that Islamophobia is produced the way that it's packaged the way that it's propagated in in society um it's it, it almost always hinges on uh, on on that separating the Muslim woman from the Muslim man, um, and and obviously all all genders in, in between, and I think that there's like there's so much that isn't um, particularly focused on when when we do talk about this, um, but you know in a in a in a contemporary uh, uh, setting, you would look at for example how Muslim women are targeted on on the streets. Um, the these attacks are very highly personalised. Um, and, and I mentioned this, this, um, in, in my own experience as well, but, but this, this, um, particular vitriol that, that's kind of like, that's sent in your, in your direction. Um, it's, it's like a, it's, it's, it's like a punishment almost. It's like something that you, you have to pay for, uh, for, for subscribing, uh, to, to this, this religion and, and this worldview and this, um, this, uh, this kind of, way in which you separate yourself from from the rest of, of society um and obviously that it comes through very much in in how Muslim women who cover you know at different different levels different uh parts of the body that, that they cover so whether you are a hijab whether you are wearing a bikini on on the beach uh whether you are uh, wearing the the niqab um you know just going about your daily business um you know you you'll be sent letters through through again through your letterbox uh threatening these acid attacks. You are, um, you have the prime minister or the foreign minister, as he was at the time, Boris Johnson, uh, comparing you to letterboxes, uh, to uh, burglars, uh, to criminals. Um, the, you know this, this kind of. It's it's often it, it can be presented in a very well-meaning liberal way. Well, you know we 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 only want the, what's best for you. It's very paternalistic. It's very mm. uh, again like wrapped up in 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 this idea that. Um, the use of a dehumanisation um, in within your own communities. Therefore, liberation is is you removing yourself from from them. Um, otherwise, uh, you will be punished uh, by having you know by by facing this dehumanisation um, on a state level or you know for, from from a British societal level. Um, and and suddenly, your right to be to being in a public space as a Muslim woman is. Is then also I don't know if you could hear that. Sorry, it's all right.
0: Kind of adds a bit of urban <laughs> edge to the shot. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that um, uh, and
2: and 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 therefore you are you know your your existence is then eroded in in that respect as well. Um, so you, you often find yourself and and lots of uh, Muslim women have have described this as you're stuck between a rock and a hard place because you face this overwhelming um, uh, you know. I can't even find a, a word strong enough to to describe it, but you face this this overwhelming wave of like um, like negative attention that comes from outside your community um that even when you know you have uh, grievances within, you can't raise them in any meaningful way because it's it's automatically um instrumentalized against you both as as a as a as a Muslim woman and as a as you know as a Muslim community. So you do often find yeah, you you find yourself kind of questioning um how much you can uh, how much power you can you can sort of like negotiate within your own community and then also how you can um how you can sort of like uh stem that tide that's that's coming from, from an external perspective. And that is one of the most difficult um and and damaging um intersections that um, I think exists in in the UK and is similar to to Black feminism as well. Very very similar ways in which the grievances and the the misogyny against uh, against racialized women, Black women, Brown women, uh, Muslim women, um, Jewish women as well. Uh, to, you know, to to an extent, this this is this is a very um, it's it's a very old trope that that that's used and 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 I always I always think about this example of. Um, you know what how the how Algerian women used used to be viewed um and 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 obviously like um i'm no academic so I'm, like my readings of like fanon and and, and his description of veiled women is is obviously very amateur as well but like this this idea of like um uh, muslim Al- Algerian muslim women being uh veiled um and and, and exerting a, a, a power over uh, over these uh, these colonisers, in the you know they they see without being seen um, the fact that they are um, hidden and uh, and and can't be exploited um, in 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 traditional ways um, and 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 then kind of like this 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 reaction to that is basically to then um, uh, label uh, the 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 private life of a, of a of a Muslim woman. Um, the the dress of a Muslim woman, the identity of the Muslim woman, as uh, something that is extremely backward, extremely damaging uh, to to women, um, and uh, and 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 then it kind of like then obviously results in this call, basically um, like this desire for domination, this desire for for and ultimately um, the colonialist's dream is is basically to to own these women and 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 um, and and to humiliate the the, the men in, in in these countries so it is to to draw them out to 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 use the language of, of liberation um, you know there, there even were posters um that used to say you know are you not beautiful um are you not pretty uh, unveil yourself um and then of and then you know that's also something that then comes into play when um you know when muslim women start uh donning uh the the niqab as a, as a way to to resist and 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 you know take part in in, anti, in the anti-colonial resistance in in Algeria um so that's something that's um again you know I keep I keep going back to it but like where you see the tropes and the the the, the ways in which Muslims are, are treated today in in Europe you can see the very beginnings of, of those things in um in in how uh the British Empire uh the French uh, you know all, all of these these um uh colonialists try to um you know, win and maintain their their power over over these countries and over these people. Um, just really quickly, I, I find
1: it what you said the, the the separating of Muslim women from Muslim men. I find that um, really fascinating because um, if you look back at um, African American history. Um, there are academics and theorists that talk about. Um, I think it was at the end of um, segregation and like around the time. I, I don't know my full history, but around the time of the Nixon um, mm. administration and um, it, you know J Edgar Hoover, part of the FBI, and all that kind of that kind of era, um, you find that there was emphasis on separating the black woman from the black man or separating the black family at the very least so they they began introducing politics around separating the the male from the household and that's around the time when you find um you know these ideas of oh well aren't you a strong independent black woman and and, Mm. and all that kind of thing so I find that really fascinating
2: yeah yeah. Um, the way that um the way that it's it's uh, described by by Fanran, he, he talks about like if you if you want to destroy the structure of Algerian society, if we want to destroy its capacity for resistance, uh then we have to conquer the women. um you know go and find them behind the veil where they hide themselves, uh, where the men keep them out of sight and, you know inside inside their houses um, uh, and 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 basically liberate them. And that's what then resulted in in these like very public unveiling ceremonies. Um, that they used to have for for Algerian women, um, and it's it's kind of uh, it, it's you know it's also described as as not being in, it's it's not it's not an independent thing. Um, the, the 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 subject's desire to control this this land, um, you know you know it 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 it's, it's, it widens out like the scope is much wider because it's not just the land that he wants to own. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's not just, uh, it's not just that, that he wants, that, you know, he, that, that he has a, a a desire for, he wants to see everything he wants, uh, to be able to, uh, possess everything, um, and, uh, make it an, an, an object of, 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 of his uh, own possession. And, and obviously that, that then extends to, to women as well.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. In a way that like, I think it's really interesting that circles us back You know, early on, you were talking about Douglas Murray and these kinds of, like, vicious revisionists on colonial history who have Mm. been, to be honest with you, welcomed with like open arms into kind of like uh you know a, a sort of a polite liberal conversation i sometimes think the people who are really really going to fucking bury us all are like white liberals with no backbone Yeah, um, and I, i'm not saying that as like i'm not trying to hammer white liberal i sort of would tease people like that and go look man i'm just asking you to come down on the liberal side of being a white liberal not the white side do you know what i mean and <laughs> um, but it's interesting circling back to that because you know now one of the ways that that modern revisionism works um for whom you know we you spoke briefly about edward said edward said is like a great bet noir to people um mm. as far as i'm concerned like uh you know being from the middle east and really really loving someone i'm 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 I, i'm perfectly happy to be a founding member of like the edward said martyrs brigades do you know what i mean <laughs> um, and, uh, you know one of the the, the the sort of criticisms of this old critic critique of of, of of Orientalism and clo- like a kind of colonial thinking and so on is that oh well you know actually a lot of these people like for instance the early the early East India companies in and tra- uh, tra- traders in India for instance, they actually did love India. They were actually interested in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They actually did want to. And it, what's really beautiful about that example that you gave with 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 respect to Fanon is, as a psychiatrist, you know, you know, he's clear for him that there's such a thing as something which looks to you as the lover as love, mm. but is fucking poisonous. Do you know what I mean? And is abusive and is about domination and is about all these things and and like actually. It's not, it, it's it, It's not a cogent critique of kind of anti-colonial and, and post-colonial thought to say, oh, people like really fell in love with these places. Mm. Do you know what I mean? The greatest, you know, to put it really bluntly, men who murdered their wives, like, quote unquote, really fall in love with them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah.
0: Like, it's not, Um. Uh, and, and yeah, man, like, uh, I just think it's interesting that like a lot of these, like. Kind of like i to say, like revanchist, like like neo defences of colonialism. Just don't even engage with what it is we've been saying all along. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And 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 then they're celebrated as being like a new thing. You know? Um, yeah. Which I find, it, to be honest with you, makes me very very angry, as you can probably tell. But yeah. stuff, it's, it's it's so interesting the way we've tied that stuff up. And I think I suppose one one as as the as as a man on this call, I just think it's um. I don't know, man. It's a really obvious, stupid thing to say. But I just think, like, we need to be thinking about how we get more black women, more brown women, more Muslim women into positions of leadership because, obviously, you guys are the people who are just like... You you are the cat with it the the, the counter argument to the fact that everyone talks about you but you hardly ever get a say in what's yeah. said about you.
1: I I yeah. will come back to that though and 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 tell me if I'm wrong. But I don't think it's just about getting more black women, more brown women, more Muslim women because we have pretty Patel. Yeah yeah
0: yeah fair point fair it's point fair point yeah it's not just about, about representation I mean? it's not just about representation. I suppose I would just I would just say that I didn't mean pretty Patel. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good clarification to make.
0: Tani, do you have any further questions?
1: Yeah, okay. So we early on we mentioned, you know, about the the I'm refuse to call them the Bradford riots, right? the Bradford Uprisings. Um yeah. so now it's the 20 year anniversary, and there's, you know, there's quite a lot of articles coming out about, yeah. about X, Y, and Z and you know the whole um, Bradford no go area and all that kind of nonsense. Which Also ties up to the things that the the ambitions of Bradford as as a city now, you know, we're going for the City of Culture bid and all that. And just like the relationships of the organisations now, um, 20 years on, and obviously as far back as you can remember, do you think there have been any changes
2: within the city? I think certainly the one thing that I know for sure is that there hasn't been enough change in, in Bradford um, and i don't even think that there's been a real look at the the conditions that that led to to the uprisings um to use your terminology tanya and i and i defer to you completely on this um but like this this idea that um it was yeah, you know like, like when when we when we talked about it before that it was this like shameful thing um uh, it, you know it was it was a political thing because people don't uh don't just go out onto the onto the streets and 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 kind of use violence or um I mean I wouldn't it's it's even saying you, using violence it, it, it kind of like apologizes it a little bit like as though you like you you go intentionally with with the desire to, to destroy something because of you know because of a, a specific reason it's a very um instinctive reaction to what you what you feel is uh, injustice and you can't do anything about it um, and and obviously like we're, we're used to hearing that those quotes that you know a riot is the language of, of the unheard and um and and the way in which people try to make themselves heard when um when they are completely and utterly excluded from any kind of discussion um or debate or you know any mechanism of, of change that exists in, in in the community or or the um uh or the country uh, like as brits we have like this massive, massive like uh like, like a obsession with doing things properly you do things through the proper channels um you know and 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 it, it, if if there is merit in your argument if there is merit in in what you're saying then naturally you will win but that's just not the case for for so many of us because we know that the, the power structures uh are against us we know that we don't have the only thing we have is community power you know we don't have the um the institutional and structural power we don't we certainly don't have, um even at the very least uh, a a way to manage the the way we are talked about like that's the the most basic we thing. Don't like we don't even
1: have a black councillor in the city. Exactly. Like, yeah, we have it's, no voice.
0: That shit is exactly. fucking outrageous, man. That's
2: exactly outrageous. And and um and every time every time I I, I see that or, or I read about it, and I'm just like, how 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 do we not have the unity in in the city to be able to um, to be able to get even those very basic representational wins because it's been like a and, and, and I completely echo what, what you've said in the past as well, Jawad, like this idea that any position of authority or power that you've got to is, as, a, as an Asian uh, or a Black person or, or, um, or otherwise racialized in, in Bradford is literally because you have either been elected to that position and your community has, has come behind you um, or it's a business, or it's something that, that you've set up to exactly right. carve out the space that you have um in 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 uh, whether it's in a, a local economy or it's like a, um, a ward or 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 a city that that tries to without even trying actually completely excludes you from it. Um, and and this is something that I definitely came across, you know, when it comes to like local authority um staff makeup um, and the demographics. That are are leading these institutions, and and where the you know if you look at the staff makeup and where they live, for example, in in parts of Bradford, the 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 way um, like the the biggest gap between wealth in in the UK out, outside of, of London is between between Ben, ben Ridding and uh, and Bradford Moor, where I'm from. So like it's like you, you like it's just and it's on your doorstep. Yeah. It's like te- a ten minute train ride away. Um, and and you know you, you are only able to to win power in in these like small pockets um the and, and, and through organizing um and i think that that's definitely something that that like is 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 like pushed is, is pushed up and been like oh look look at how like these people have um uh have uh created uh you know success for themselves look at how these people have um you know look at these these people that we have elected in, into these positions you know we have two South Asian MPs we have um you know uh, everyone uh in, in you know p- people uh uh in, in in different parts like my old my old primary school and, and and secondary school is like was raised to the ground and is now um uh on on the one side in Aldi on the other side is like uh Bradford Plaza which is like uh you know South Asian owned businesses um and and like People people see that as as, as, a, as a as a kind of success and therefore um, completely ignore the undercurrent of like deep deep discomfort and um and, and 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 like deep problems that actually need to be faced. We have like people who, who come in and I could like wax lyrical on this for so long because it's like if there's one thing in the world, please that I am please, passionate please about. Please please
1: wax a little bit now. I need to hear it. I need to hear this. If
2: there is one thing that I am like deeply deeply passionate about and I will defend. To the end of the earth, it is Bradford. You know what? There are, there are, like, there are maybe other parts of, of my identity that I probably wouldn't even go, you know, wouldn't go that far with. But like, I, I really, really um, feel that we are just sorry. <coughs> I'm getting clearly getting quite emotional, but, um, the, but the way that, um, like the the way that all the institutions in in, in the city do a complete disservice. And like the the way that there's this disconnect. So when I when I look at the the decisions that are made by the local authority, when I look at how um, uh, the uh, local like the university, for example, the the kinds of people that are employed there, if you look at um, all these like big parts of Bradford that are often the the first to 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 host these uh, meetings about how we need to you know bring Bradford back up again. You know, we need to come out of the shadow of the riots. We need to uh, we need to celebrate our city because we're trashed on by everyone. And and without even engaging with with the reason that we are trashed on. And a lot of it is because exactly. we're a brown city. You know, we might only be like 20 percent of the population, but we are considered to be a brown city and journalists will fly into the city center. They'll, you know, uh, run around Centenary Park, uh, Centenary Square. And, uh, and they'll take that like, little box uh, box and then they'll run out and they'll like with a preformed analysis of, of you know, how these savages think. And then they will then they'll go away and they'll get their money and they'll get their little like byline. Um, and this isn't even something that's that's left to the people outside Bradford. People inside Bradford try and take advantage in, in the same way. Um, and, and, and there's none of that kind of, um, you know, pride for the city that is, that is based on who we are in reality, rather than this like aspirational, like, Oh, multicultural, um, uh, you know, uh, society that, you know, look, we have all these different people. Like there's, there's no real proper engagement with like how refugees came into Bradford, how migrants came into Bradford, you know, what they did, how they live, how they lived, how, uh, how they're living now. Um, It's, it's, it's very much like uh, let's focus on these very superficial things. Um, Let's try and win curry capital. Let's try and win, um uh, city of culture because you know maybe it'll paper over the cracks uh like chasms more like rather than crabs, but like uh um cracks and uh and and maybe people won't notice but yeah like with with it's it's incredible if if you think that uh if you think that people aren't going to notice that and uh they're not gonna gonna speak about it you, you yeah
1: I um, am you couldn't hear me because I was on mute but I was literally just shouting the house down clapping and screaming and cheering for the fact that you said that because I've been saying this for the longest and I am on the um, Bradford City of Culture steering group and I do happen to believe that we deserve it but we have to Mm. get it for the right reasons yes yeah Yeah. for
0: sure and I think I I think uh, sorry Tanya I'm cutting you off you go on no no
1: no no no. I just that's all I needed to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think like all that stuff, man. Absolutely, like and like, there's all this chat about regeneration and 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 how does Bradford pop and all this kind of stuff. And like, to be honest with yeah. you, man, let's talk about some home truths. Okay, so even in the super liberal cultural sector, yeah, in our in our in me and Tanya's part of the world we bradford is a city where it cannot see itself ever you know it, uh, even in that sector like the leadership of color that we've had was mm. like uh, when Madani used to run freedom studios which is a company he built himself mm. ha, ha, ha. um since then since there's been a change of anything we used to have dr Gita at, uh what that place is called Kalasangam, yeah but but like and and the guys who run Kalasangam now good people doing good things they're mm. whites um, you know, Freedom Studios, which was originally an Asian-led company, half of the you know, I you mean, know, so they've got uh, a co-artistic director who's a person of colour, they can't see fit to find one person good enough to do that, you know um, is a slightly unfair way of putting it but like, some real home truths uh, given that a lot of the wh- jobs go to white people running the NHS trusts mm. at the council and so on, like, you know, there are some good people in that mix who are ambitious yeah. and doing co- cool stuff. Yeah. But to be honest with you, the first-rate whites aren't coming to Bradford largely, do you mm. know what I mean? So we end up with, I think we end up with, like, in Bradford, we end up with, like, a, I, I sometimes call it a get, provocatively like a ghetto mentality, any old shit is good enough because the world is fucking looking down on us. So all we have to tell the world is, like, we're not as bad as you think we are. Yeah. Which no yeah. one cares about. Like, exactly. literally, I don't care about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Never mind anyone else. But the only thing to be embraced to be massive is like, like you, like Samaya, you were talking about the, you know, uh, and I think there's potentially, with the city of course, there's potentially a, a, an opening for some of that stuff to happen. Like, but, but like, um, you were dismissive of the capital, of the curry capital thing, which I think you're right to be, you know, dismissive of. But it's like, like you say, it's a brown city. Like, that has to be embraced. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That is what, like, I mean, you know, uh, you know this is re- a real deep cut for the true Bradford heads. But, like, you just look at the catastrophic way in which, uh, you know, uh, Bradford went from having the best and biggest mailer in this country mm. to not having one.
2: Yeah, Which was like, there was literally
0: no reason for that to happen other than a kind of low-level background noise of racism Mm. that just, like, took everyone's confidence away and led to people mutilating themselves. I mean, in any case, like, yeah, man, like, there's a story about Bradford you can tell where you can go, look, who are the people who make the city centre nice? I'll tell you who who it is. It's young Eastern European families who are living in all them flats. Do you know what I mean? Who is it who makes, like... Who is it who, in the height of the recession... Kept like shops and businesses open, selling like to be honest with you, quite expensive food. Mm. Do you know what I mean? In various parts of the city, well, it was the Pakistanis. Do you know what I mean? And um, and 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 the sooner we go, regeneration means these people who are actually here doing better, as opposed to whites coming back, like white mm. British people coming back. Mm. Then we might be in business if we don't have that grown up conversation. Yeah. We ain't going to be. I mean,
2: I mean, the regeneration of North Parade. And, or, you know, like you said, very good people, very, very good people, but who is it for?
1: Um,
2: And and, and I I can't even remember what the underground uh, uh, development is called. Um, uh, Yes, Saddle,
1: saddle, uh, Summit Wells.
0: Yes,
2: Sunbridge Wells.
0: Yeah, Sunbridge Wells. As opposed to Saddler's Saddler's (laughs) Wells. You big lover, you.
2: (laughs) Sorry, darling, sorry. Uh, Yeah, yeah uh but yeah that that's that that's what i mean like there's there, there is that focus on on regeneration um and and the way that I, that i see it is is that it's not it's not for me it's it's not yeah. for my mum my grandparents well
0: also just a bit of like good, good good reasons of business and creativity i mean i just think there's only so many pints of real ale you can sell
1: know country honestly
0: there has to be something else people want to buy
2: Do you yeah. know what i mean yeah oh completely completely i mean leeds road is like full of chai shops now um i don't know if you've seen it every time i go back yeah. I, like there's like all these new new kind of things that, that have uh have come up like whether it's like clothing shops or chai or obviously takeaways and 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 food uh restaurants and, and food places which uh, come up all, all the time but you know these these kinds of uh, you know that there are like there are two different kinds of bradford's and it's not um it's not because people segregate themselves it's because what they need you're like they they're not going to get it in 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 places where this regeneration is is happening um you know we don't we don't need to go there um we don't need to um have any kind of uh I mean there, there isn't going to be the, the same sense of ownership o- over those spaces in fact I feel like and and this is this is ob- obviously very much a feeling and is isn't based on anything that's um, isn't based on research or, or, you know, data or anything, but like this, this feeling of like, almost like what's this regeneration, this money, this, uh, you know, what's popping up now is, is almost like a very subtle way of just, just kind of like moving people out, uh, pushing them. Well,
1: it's, it's architectural segregation, right? Yeah. That's, well, you'd, you'd
2: call it gentrification in any, in any well, other yeah. setting. Um, but it's like, yeah, like you, you're, you're you basically you, you do, you kind of have to be pushed out to, um like you know the b d seven, b d three um the, the, these places where your um your like your grandparents first came, uh, you know, lived ten people to a house. um and 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 you can yeah you 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 stay in those communities. The only people who can afford to get out is the people whose kids have gone to university, um who've gone away, earned enough money to come back and basically then move away into like more affluent parts of Bradford. And and obviously, you know, you can you can you can work, you can work your way up in in money terms, but certainly not in in, in who you are and and your background and, and where you come from. You can enter the middle class um, in 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 Bradford, and you know, get the, the get the house, get the um uh, the flashy cars, you know, flashy cars, and 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 all those other symbols of, of wealth. But you can't necessarily then take away who you are. And I was having a, a conversation with Dr professor yunus uh, alam who's uh, written a book on on cars and 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 you know in, in particular so his son is is uh, part of the modified uh, he, he's one of the uh, founders of the modified car club and mm. it's a, you know it's a hobby and it's something that's incredibly important uh, it's it's very central to, to to their identity but then when you look at uh, the way that they are treated by by the police the way they're treated by even their their you know their own community members around them um it's it's with kind of like mistrust so it's like well how can you have a flashy car well you must be a drug dealer um because you know no no one yeah. is earning enough uh in, no well, one these in your people, family
0: these, these people are largely accountants aren't they yeah
2: exactly <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So servicing all the taxi drivers but like you you yeah. you, you have like um uh you, you have this 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 sense of um uh you know you you can you can you can kind of like buy your way out of out of uh these these parts of bradford but you can't actually change the, the the nature of like of uh who, who you are in bradford and what you're treated what you're treated like um yeah. and that's yeah that's that's something that i think we need to grapple with uh For come sure, to terms man. with you you you, ha- you have to be able to um to ex- and, and one of my friends uh sahima Khan is, is a poet she's absolutely fantastic uh, like you know basically grabbing these these concepts and and she has a really really good poem um about this about what makes what makes us you know British and uh and, and, and what British is and you know like basically claiming claiming it as, as as our own ground. Um and and I yeah I would I would really recommend that that um that you you take a look and and, and read some of that because it's so uh it, it, it's so fundamental now I think if we just could continue going down this trajectory where we have like these like empty discussions about racism, empty discussions about you know how proud we are of, of a city without actually properly putting in the investment in in our young people. Uh, looking at why education isn't isn't uh, serving uh, uh, our uh, you know younger siblings and our nieces and nephews and our cousins. Why is it that um, that you can that you can have the sharpest minds uh, growing up in in our community, but actually won't necessarily be able to um be like just be, you know be accepted um you know don't have have uh creative output um and, and don't have don't have any kind of um influence in 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 the city's uh creative output either um there's yeah there, there's there's so much wrapped up in in that if we if we can't if we can't solve it in this generation it's it's just going to get much 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 worse i
1: agree thank you thank you for that
2: that's my little
0: yeah. Rant. Yeah, no, that seems absolutely right. And I mean, on which, um, on which, uh, real deep, as I say, like amongst the Sicilians, sort of uh, to quote the Goodfellas, chat about Bradford, like you know, the real, the real, the real hardcore stuff, seems <laughs> like a really good place. I
1: think, Go yeah, I think it's it, it, you know we've kind of come full circle. We started in Bradford and we've finished, and um, I'm, and I'm glad, I'm glad we finished for you, Samaya. Thank you so much
0: yeah yeah it's been an absolute pleasure having you on i hope we get to chat again
2: thank you so much thanks
0: so that's been the color of our politics with me javad alipore if you've enjoyed it please like the podcast subscribe to it to get other bi-weekly episodes on whatever form it is that you download your podcast share it review it and just you know join in the conversation on social media